Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello and welcome to another edition of the Forza Napoli podcast. This is a podcast all about Napoli, of course, but you don't have to be a Napoli fan to enjoy it. If you're a Serie A fan, if you're a football fan, looking for the inside scoop on all things Napoli, this is the place to be. I'm your host, Joe Fischetti. Thank you, as always, for listening. I have only one part for you today, so this will be a mini-pod to preview our match against Bologna on Sunday, so let's get right into it. Bologna come into this match sitting 11th in the table with a record of 1 win, 2 draws, and 1 loss. Bologna have been a bit of a funny team in the sense that they tend to play to their opponent's level. If you look at their XG compared to the XG of their opponents, they were very close in 3 of their 4 matches already played. They opened the season with a 2-0 home defeat against Milan, but the XG score was actually 1.0 to 0.9 for Bologna. The difference in that match was that Milan took their chances and Bologna did not. 20 seconds into the match, Sarlampos Likoyanis fired a rocket from distance that crashed into the bar. And then, of course, 20 minutes later, Christian Pulisic scored that beautiful goal from the edge of the area that he tucked just inside the far post. Bologna even had the bulk of the chances in the second half, they just didn't take them, and then Leao hit the upright in the dying minutes after Bologna pushed for a while to get back into the match. Everyone focused on the opening 20-30 to 30 minutes, where Milan's new players immediately made an impact, they scored their two goals, and Giroud came on to add a third, and everyone kind of figured, okay, Milan just sat back in the second half to conserve their energy, but Bologna were quietly pretty good in that one. Next up, they drew Juventus 1-1. The XG score for that match was 0.8 to 0.5 for Juventus. So once again, Bologna kept it close. Obviously, with those XGs, neither team created a whole lot in the attack. That said, Bologna walked away feeling aggrieved that they were not awarded a penalty kick in the second half when Samuel Illing Jr. appeared to foul Dan Ndoy in the area. Ndoy would have had a tap-in, 
before Ealing Jr. collided into him, and Bologna were already winning the match 1-0 at that point. Now, Juventini will tell you that they also should have been awarded a penalty kick in the first half. Whether it was for just the one incident or for both, Marco Di Bello and two VAR officials were suspended for a month after that match. Now, in fairness, Juventus had a goal disallowed for offside when Adrian Rabiot screened Lucas Skorupski, who saw Dusan Vlahovic's shot late. Objectively, though, I genuinely think they got the correct decision there. That split second when it's a shot from close range really could make the difference between a goal and a save. But after the missed penalty, Vlahovic got his goal to equalize. What was apparent from the goal that Bologna scored was that they are capable of creating scoring opportunities with quick passes. Center back Sam Bukma passed to Nicola Moro in the middle of the park. He controlled with one touch and played a quick pass to Lewis Ferguson. After a give and go with Joshua Zerxi, Ferguson slotted the ball into the bottom corner. So only one point through the first two rounds was understandable considering their opponents, but probably a little bit harsh given how those two matches went. Bologna had their best match of the season on match day three. Even though they conceded first, Bologna dominated this match. Cagliari just happened to score on their only shot on target, which actually was a lovely one at that from Matteo Lovumbu. But Bologna had 71% possession and the XG was 2.3 to 0.5 in Bologna's favor. That XG included a Riccardo Orsolini penalty kick that crashed off the bar. Xerxes scored his first goal of the season, which was fully deserved after he had a couple of decent efforts stopped in the first half. It was a very tidy goal, a first-time strike with his left boot, which he tucked inside the first post. He actually made it look a lot easier than it was to do with the pass coming from the left side of the field. Finally, after playing their best match of the season against Cagliari, Bologna probably played their worst match of the season against Hellas Verona. They had the better XG than Hellas Verona, but both XGs were very, very low, 0.4 for Verona and 0.6 for Bologna. On the whole, Bologna were probably the better side. They had a few decent chances, but overall they did not create a whole lot. So you can see what I mean when I say that Bologna have had a tendency to play to their opponent's level. Hopefully that means they will play down to our level on Sunday. See what I did there? Okay, so with that, let's get to the starting lineups. Thiago Mota's lineups are fairly predictable because he tends to roll with the same players. He'll line up in a 4-2-3-1 formation with Lukas Skorupski in goal. John Lukumi and Sam Bukma should start at center back. I suspect we'll see Liko Yanis start at left back after Victor Christensen, who started the last two matches, was removed from the Hellas Verona match due to injury. Christensen is in the squad, so we will see about that. Lorenzo De Silvestri started at right back against Verona, but Stefan Posh played the previous three matches, including against Milan and Juventus, so I think he will return to the starting 11 for this one. Remo Freuler made his Bologna debut last week playing alongside Mikel Abischer in the double pivot, so I think we will see that pair start again in this one. Abischer has played every match, so he is just about a sure thing. If Freuler doesn't play, then we can expect Nicola Moro to complete the pivot. Finally, after making some changes through the first few rounds, Mota appears to have settled on his preferred front four, with Jesper Carlsen on the left wing, Dan Ndoy on the right wing, Lewis Ferguson in the number 10, and Joshua Xerxes at striker. For Napoli, Rudy Garcia should play in the 4-3-3 formation again with Alex Meret in goal, 
I say should because we suddenly have a bit of an injury crisis at center back. Amir Rahmani is expected to miss about a month with a thigh strain he suffered in the Champions League match against Braga. Meanwhile, Juan Jesus did not complete the training session on Saturday. He suffered a thigh strain as well, and the club confirmed in the Saturday training report that he will not play against Bologna. That leaves only Leo Ostegaard and youngster Nathan as the remaining healthy options at centre-back. The alternative would be to play Giovanni Di Lorenzo at centre-back and Alessandro Zanoli at right-back, but I am not expecting that. I have Nathan and Ostegaard starting, with Mario Rui at left-back since he can communicate with Nathan in Portuguese, and Di Lorenzo at right-back. In the midfield, I have our usual trio of Andre Frank Zombo and Gisa, Stanislav Lobotka and Piotr Zelinski starting, but given the muscular injuries, it wouldn't surprise me if we made a change or two in the midfield. The problem is, the player who is supposed to be the alternative to both Lobotka and Angisa is not fully fit. Jens Kajusta was on the bench against Braga after he suffered what also appeared to be a minor muscular injury in the warm-up to that match. That means the only player that we have genuine alternatives for is Piotr Zielinski because both Eli Felmas and Jesper Lindstrom can play in that role. I suppose Elmas or even Raspadori could also spell Angisa, but that would not be a like-for-like -like change, so we will see if Garcia changes it up a bit. Another option would be to switch to the 4-2-3-1 formation, but I think a pivot of Lobotka and Zielinski or Lobotka and Elmas would not be as strong as if we had Lobotka and Angisa if we had to change our shape. Of course, the 4-2-3-1 would also allow us to get Giacomo Raspadori into the starting 11 playing as a number 10. That said, Raspadori could also start as a winger in the 4-3-3 formation, either on the left if Garcia wants to give Cavada a rest, which has been rumored here and there. I personally do not think that would happen. Or on the right wing as a replacement for Politano, but we've only experimented with Raspadori there and it's not my favorite position for him either. If we were to replace Politano, which I am expecting, because don't forget, he picked up that calf injury with the Nazionales, so we don't want to overplay him either, then I think Elif Elmas would start on the right wing, as he did against Genoa. I'd love to say that Lindstrom would start there, but until I actually see him start, I am going to assume that Elmas is the preferred backup. And finally, I think Victor Osiman has to start, not only because we've already got a lot of changes going on between the defense and the midfield, so I wouldn't want to change too much all at once. However, don't be surprised if Cholito Simeone starts at striker for the midweek fixture against Udinese. So those are our starting lineups. Next, let's get to our three keys to the match. My first key to the match is that we need to have a plan to effectively stop Joshua Xerxes who is not your typical number 9. I was initially a little bit skeptical about whether Xerxes could be the starting striker after the departure of Marko Arnautovic. Perhaps he just needed a game or two to get accustomed to the role. He may not have known that he would be the starter. Arnautovic was sold to Inter on the 16th of August, which was only 5 days before Bologna's opening match of the season. I'm not entirely sure Bologna knew that they were going to get the Arnautovic deal completed on time, because he still played in the Coppa Italia match against Cesena only five days before his transfer. But I have to say, I have been very impressed with Xerxes' play in the last few rounds. The best way that I can describe him is as a hybrid between a traditional number 9 and a false 9. Now what do I mean by that? Like a Paolo Dybala, he is as much a playmaker as he is a goalscorer. Time and time again, 
we've seen him drop into the middle of the park to help in the build-up, and he is doing this by design. He provides a link between the midfield and either the wingers or the attacking midfielders like Abisher or Ferguson, for example, who will play off of him with runs into the area. At the same time, he is 6'3 or 1.93 meters tall and has the finish of a true number 9. In my opinion, he is one of the best forwards in Serie A at playing with his back to goal, both as a striker in the area and as a quote false 9 when he drops. That combination of size, strength to hold up the ball and technical ability make him extremely difficult to defend because you don't know what he's going to do when he drops. He could hold the ball up and look for a pass, he could play a quick one-touch through ball, or he can hold the ball up and then turn. Likewise, when he receives the ball in the area, even if he has his back to the goal, he can hold up and turn to create the shot for himself. That is definitely something that concerns me, particularly because of who we are likely to start at center back. Ustegaard and Natan have hardly played for Napoli, let alone with each other, so they just will not have any chemistry at first. They'll need to communicate a lot, say if one of them follows Xerxes when he drops so the other one knows to watch out for the run, but that won't be so easy with Natan still learning the language. Finally, Xerxes' first goal in Serie happened to be against us last season, so he should be fairly confident that he can score against us again. My second key to the match is that we need to generate quality opportunities to score, and we need to be clinical when we do. We are second in the league in shot attempts, but only 4 teams have a worse shot on target percentage than us. Only 26.3% of our shot attempts actually hit the targets. Now, I blame that as much on the players as I blame it on the coach. The players need to be better at hitting the target when they do go for goal, but part of the reason we have taken so many shots is because Garcia is instructing them to do so. I haven't checked the actual stats, but it feels like we've already attempted more shots from distance through the first 4 rounds than we did all of last season. Naturally, shots from outside the area are going to have a lower probability of finding the back of the goal. Nevertheless, we still have the 4th best XG in the league. In fact, we were 2nd highest heading into this round. Milan and Juve passed us because they played on Saturday, but even if we only register an XG of 1 against Bologna, we would overtake Juve and Milan again. Also, with 8 goals scored, we are slightly outperforming our XG of 7.2. The two wonder goals against Genoa helped in that regard, but we certainly don't want to be relying on these wonder goals. Now, part of the reason we need to be clinical is because Bologna simply do not concede a whole lot of quality chances. They are currently tied with Atalanta for the lowest XGA in the league at 2.6, or expected goals allowed at 2.6, so with 4 goals conceded, Bologna's opponents are still outperforming their XGA. So we need to create chances like we did against Braga, which won't be easy because I don't expect Bologna to make the same mistakes that Braga did, and then we need to take our chances when they present themselves. By the way, Napoli are in a similar boat with respect to XGA. We're tied for 4th lowest XGA with 2.9, yet we've conceded 5 goals, which is nearly double our XGA. That goes back to what Garcia has been saying pretty consistently in his press conferences, which is that we're not conceding very many shots on target, yet our opponents seem to score every time they hit the target, 5 goals and 8 shots on target so far. 
My final key to the match is to keep an eye on Jesper Carlsen and in particular his shot from distance. This kid has an absolute rocket on him and he is very accurate with it. He easily could have scored goals already this season from outside the area. Against Cagliari he smacked one off the top corner of the goal and against Hellas Verona he forced Lorenzo Montipo to make two really good saves. He had a shot in the first half that was swerving towards the top corner at the far post that Montipo did really well to keep out. Then in the second half he had another shot from distance that was bouncing into the bottom corner but again Montipo did well getting low to push the ball aside for a corner kick. Carlson was one of the many new players that joined Bologna in the summer in fact most of the club's starting 11 and some key substitutes as well are new signings. Carlson was the most expensive acquisition at 11 million euros from Azed Alkmar. He came along with Alkmar teammate Sam Bukma who has been starting at center back. Right winger Dan Ndoy was purchased from FC Basel for 9 million euros. He came from Switzerland along with former Roma player Ricardo Calafiori. Center back Victor Christensen was loaned from Leicester City. Alexis Salamakers was loaned from Milan and Remo Freuler was loaned from Nottingham Forest. Finally, youngster Giovanni Fabian was included in the deal with Inter for Marco Arnautovic. Pretty much the rest of the team were signed last season. Stefan Posh, Nicola Moros, Xerxy, Lukumi, Abisher, Ferguson, and Likoyanis all joined Bologna last season, so they have literally rebuilt their entire squad over two seasons. Now obviously a number of players needed to leave the club to make all of that happen, Jordi Shelton was the big sale, he was sold to PSV for 12 million euros, Nicolas Dominguez was sold to Nottingham for 10 million, Musa Barrow went to Al Tawun in the Saudi Pro League for 8 million, and Denzel Cassius went to Alkmaar for 3 million, so you can see that a lot of these moves were swap plus cash deals. Surprisingly, Nicolas Sansone and Roberto Soriano were both not extended and currently remain without clubs. For my prediction, I am going to go with a 1-1 draw and of course when I don't predict a victory I hope that I am wrong, but Bologna are indeed a very good team on either side of the pitch and thus far Garcia has not shown a whole lot of improvement. In fact you could make the argument that Napoli are regressing because at the start of the season they were just playing off of Spalletti muscle memory. As I mentioned last episode he remains under the microscope because Although the results have been fairly positive, the play itself has not been very good, specifically on the defensive half of the pitch. That raises the question, does the style really matter when you're getting results? I guess the answer is no if the results are consistent. I think the concern from Napoli fans is that if we continue to play like this, the results won't be consistent and we will drop more points. Given the injuries at center back and the fact that this is our third consecutive away match in the span of only 8 days, which means we haven't had a whole lot of time to prepare for any of these matches, I think this could be another one where we drop points again. Again, I hope I'm wrong because I do not think I could handle another and probably more severe meltdown from Napoli fans that would ensue, even if it was warranted. Okay, that is where I will leave it. I hope you enjoyed the show. If you did, please share it with a friend and leave us a rating and or a review on your favorite podcast platform. As always, if you need to get a hold of me, you can usually find me on x at joe underscore d 5 You can also find the podcast on the usual social media platforms at Fort Pod. 
I will be back in a day or two to review this match and to preview our next one, which is a midweek fixture against Udinese. But until then, I'm Joe Fischetti. Forza Napoli sempre! Podcast Network. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.